Blue Wire. The Philadelphia 76ers select Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Here comes Simmons between the legs. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the New Slant Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Newback. This week, our podcast is being brought to you by our friends at Deal Dash and Bet Online. So, thank you very much to both of those wonderful companies for keeping our lights on. With me, as always, ready for the Orlando games, I'm sure. I don't know where he'll be watching them. My buddy, my pal, Seamus Clancy. Seamus, how are you? I will not be watching them from the bubble, obviously. I don't think Blue Wire can pay fifty-two grand per day to send me there, unfortunately. <laughs> per day? Man, that would be quite a... Uh, That's what it is, right? Quite an expenditure. No, I, I'm not allowed to really talk shop about uh, the cost of, uh, you know, looking out for the rest of my media friends and all. But it is an expensive... Expensive time in Orlando. Uh, what else is going on in your life, Seamus? Any, uh, you been getting down to the beach or just getting outside at all? Uh, nothing crazy, no. Trying Wearing to think a mask, anything. I hope. Wearing a mask, yeah. Uh, gonna go to the Acme tomorrow, go grocery shopping. Wearing a mask, pick up some seltzer and oat milk. And I've been buying iced coffee pre-made. Since it's the summer, I like to drink iced coffee even if it's thirty degrees out. But instead I'm of with just you. instead of just making a Keurig and a cup from a Keurig and just letting it sit on my desk for twenty minutes and then drinking it when it's room temperature, I just buy these, you know, forty eight ounce iced black coffee from Dunkin' that are like three bucks and then, you know, drink that for a couple of days and just buy them in bulk. It's my new thing. What's your uh, your seltzer of choice these days? Uh, depending, like earlier in the day, I like the AHA citrus and green tea because it has caffeine in there on top of being excellent. So that's my, I could drink that. I like drinking those every day. I don't have, I didn't have one today. That's why I have to go food shopping tomorrow. I'm kind of out. I just got paid today. So it's that cycle of going food shopping now. But other than that, I really like from AHA again, uh, peach and honey, and then I would say from Bubbly, they have a, a blackberry that's very good. We're going to have to get uh, Kill Cow. a Cow to sponsor a, uh, a seltzer segment, Kill a Cow Seltzer Corner. Uh, I've been drinking a lot of like cherry lime seltzer from Polar. So that's been my, Your go-to. my recent thing. Yeah. Um, on a non seltzer note, the Sixers. If you can believe it, Seamus and everybody else that's listening, are finally about to play some basketball games that I guess they matter now. The the restart scrimmage portion of the schedule is over. The Sixers, you know, they went one and two with their record, but I don't think that's indicative of of how they played, how they looked. Uh, I, I think, you know, we only saw... About 13 minutes or so of Joel Embiid. I guess, were there any big takeaways for you, Seamus? Like things you feel better about, uh, things you feel worse about after those three games that they've played so far? Tobias had a nice uh, second half Monday night. I think Ben looks smooth playing a little bit more off ball. He's not ever going to be a true power forward. I know this sort of, we talk about a lot. I talk about how I like moving him to the nominal four, but a lot of times with positional 
designations for him specifically. It really doesn't matter a ton, but it just feels like the offense, uh, specifically last Friday, moved a little smoother with that, I guess you could call it a smaller setup now that Ben slides up and they slide Shake into the starting lineup. Uh, definitely proponent of Shake and how he's played. I kind of used this phrasing or attributes previously, but I, I just like the way that he seems like a floor general in a way or isn't playing scared and isn't really caught up in the moment of being this guy who was in the G League a couple months ago and now he's starting point guard for a team that has two superstars and is a, you know, a fringe, fringe championship contender. Yeah, I, I think Shake has shown that, you know, maybe he's not going to shoot 50% from three the rest of his career, but I think probably beyond how Ben has looked since they got down there, the most encouraging thing about the scrimmages for me is that Shake just looked comfortable and normal out there. Like putting him in charge of the offense, running a lot of the initial actions through him, a lot of in that first game against Memphis, there was a lot of pick and pops and a few pick and rolls with Joel Embiid. They're using Ben Simmons at the elbow where Ben was able to create a lot from there. And, you know, you can take advantage of both his size and his passing ability there in a way that seems like it's really going to help him and the rest of the team. But, you know, for a group that hadn't played at all, all like legitimately had not played a minute together until they played in that opening Memphis scrimmage, I think that you know, things went about as smoothly as they could. Generally, when they had most of the starters in the game, obviously Joel only played that first half of the one game, but when they had most of their starters in the game, they were just beaten on teams by a lot. Like they went up by 20-plus on both Memphis and Oklahoma City before Tobias and uh, Horford were removed from the game on Tuesday, Sixers came back from they had a dreadful start and still were able to take the lead before they gave way to the bench guys. So, you know, in terms of sharpness, I think they've looked better than maybe I expected. I think their conditioning has been good. That might be probably my biggest takeaway for the league in general. I think these guys came in more ready than I was expecting. They're certainly not at like peak playoff level intensity and execution level but they are far ahead of where i thought they might be so you know on saturday when they play indiana i'm i'm kind of you know now my expectations are higher i think they should come out and and almost look like a normal basketball team in spite of the circumstances al horford's clapping is already at peak performance right oh my god honestly uh they played friday and sunday right those were the first two games Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, so it's Sunday, early in the first, first quarter, Al messed up and did the clap, and I just turned the game off. I just didn't want to deal with it. It's one, <laughs> of the, it's one of those things where, you know, frequently during the last several seasons, the games I would take off from watching is if Joe didn't play. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's a Tuesday night against yeah. the Hornets in Charlotte. Joe's not playing. Uh, Ben's a little banged up. He might not start. He's a game-time decision with the shits or his elbow hurts. And I'm like, why, why am I going to watch this? And I'll just watch television or a movie or read or something like that. So definitely did that Sunday. 
Uh, Monday, checked out at halftime. The game went to overtime. I was like, can you imagine watching at this scrimmage at like 1130 at night? I don't want to do this. And I went to bed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well, here's what I'll well, say the, about Horford so, well, that we've well, like seen the, so the far. The first half is what matters when those guys are like, that's when their intensity for a scrimmage is peaking and that's when their minutes are yeah. peaking. So that is my glimpse into... How are things going to run when they have this five-man unit out there or a five-man unit with Allen there instead of, you know, Joe ideally. Ideally, this Saturday we're going to be seeing Embiid out there. I did that. Uh, I think they might have taken it down because it was so prominent, but Fox bets Pennsylvania was doing this bonus where you could get Embiid over 0.5 dunks for plus 100. It was one of those odds odd boost things just to entice yeah. you to download the app and start playing so i tweeted it out this morning and then people were replying to me because i was like oh free money just if joe has one dunk it's you know 25 dollars to win you know 50 total and people are tweeting me they're like uh i don't see this on here and i'm looking and i can't find it i think they took it down because not because of me but just it became more pronounced and i think they realized they were getting fucked on it or something well listen I only gamble at one place, Seamus, and that's with our friends at Bet Online. So yeah, I mean that was the f- on you. that was the first time I ever made a bet in my life that wasn't on Bet Online. So that's how they enticed me to go on there. That serves you right, Seamus. Um, but back to Al Horford for a quick second. I think that you know there there's reason for a bit of optimism in that I think he physically looks way better than he did last we saw them i think when they asked him to defend in space and you know hedge more on pick and rolls and you know lean into that part of his game he looked a lot more spry i think he he ran the floor well the problem still though is that you know when he's back when they play drop coverage and when he has to protect the rim you still see the lack of length and vertical explosion in comparison to Joel Embiid. And so he's just a sitting duck that teams can throw lobs over. And, you know, he hasn't done a particularly good job. I, I think when he was younger and, and more athletic, he could snuff out some of those 2v1 situations that, look, it's you're not at an advantage there, obviously. you're You're trying to account for one of your teammates getting beat, but it feels like he never makes up for those for the team compared to Joel, who we see do that at least a decent amount. And and obviously like the the other side of it, he shot well. He he's shooting well from three and from mid range in Orlando so far. I'm sort of split on how I feel shooting is going to go. I guess because guys came in sharper than I expected. I think, you know, outside shooting could be at like all time high type levels without the pressure of being in a, a rowdy arena with lots of people yelling at you like it just it's just the two teams and, and maybe some spillover of other teams that wanted to stop by and watch like the the digital fans up on the scoreboard are not scaring anybody or intimidating anybody into missing shots so you know if he turns up and is closer to an average to above average three-point shooter that makes him and the lineups that he's involved in a lot more effective. I think so I hopefully he's back to that that level. I think I'd kill one of my distant cousins to never have to talk about Al Horford again. 
<laughs> You're that far out. Look, listen, I hear, and I said this earlier. It's, 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 week, I'm just as out on Al Horford as I am distant cousins that I have no communication with. Fair enough. I, I said earlier in the week, I totally get that, you know, people don't want to watch him clap anymore. Just At the end of the day, I, it's I, entertainment for me. Yeah, I do. I write about the Sixers in my newsletter. I do this podcast, but in a way it's not truly, truly my job. I do this stuff to make side money and to have some fun and maybe eventually turn it into the career path that I specifically want. But from a pure entertainment perspective, it does not make any sense for me to watch someone who I hate do stuff. And that's just the nature of sports, the nature of being a Philadelphia sports fan and nature of being a fucking crazy person fan who screams and yells and does the whole nine yards every Sixers and Eagles game and now Flyers game this weekend, obviously. And briefly, ever so briefly, the Phillies. Uh, but it's just like this, this uh, I don't want to watch this person. He's a reminder to me. And there's nothing personal here. I have nothing against him as a human being. He seems like he has a great family. He loves Halo Top ice cream, much like myself. But I do not want to watch him play basketball. I don't want him employed by my favorite basketball team, my favorite team that I also hate so, so, so much. I just don't want to deal with it anymore. But we have to. And that contract ain't going anywhere no time soon. So I guess I just need to get used to it. I get it, man. I I really do. There are guys on teams I've rooted for or continue to root for these days that are not being actively covered by me that drive me nuts like a, mostly soccer these days is like my outlet for sports fandom but Some with footy. horford with horford i think the problem for me as a you know someone covering the team is that a lot of the things that he's advertised as by you know basketball intelligentsia or whatever it's like oh he's He's this savvy, hyper intelligent player. He does all the little hmm. things and like HP you know, basketball. It is not one person or even one group of people. It is a large I mean he's large the, he's group the of people. Character type. I suppose. But the major point being that you don't really see that. There are a lot of mental errors still being made by Horford where his mind and his body are working at two different speeds and you know, maybe that's part of the aging process. I get it. But then on the other side of the ball, like in Orlando so far, he has smoked maybe four or five just easy layups. And there are times when I look at him and he's shooting a layup as if he's maybe like eight inches shorter than he actually is. And it's like he forgets that he could probably dunk the ball or at least – shoot a layup like a normal person would at you know six foot ten or so so he's just he's very bewildering to watch play on a routine basis i i guess i've never seen him in the same way that a a lot of other people have nationally and part of that was you know it's he plays for boston so as part of my shtick to to just slam him and everybody on that roster as a a native Philadelphia area person, but I I just don't see it, man. Him smoking layups makes you want to go out on my fire escape and smoke a cigarette. And I don't <laughs> even smoke. I it's it just doesn't make any sense to me. 
I, I don't get it. The, I have, you know, the, I have the outside shooting coming and going. What's the proposition? I will donate $25, maybe even 50 Let's make it 50 so there's real stakes here. To the charity of your choice, if the next time you can interview Al Horford, you ask why he claps every time he messes up. <laughs> I will see about that. Okay. I don't think you're going to be donating that money. Neither but... do I, because you're a coward. Well, also because I value my professional standing with the people organization are, and the people, players. People are wondering. People are. I don't think there's much to wonder about. That's his way of But saying, why that? Damn it. I'm sure he just started doing it someday. I couldn't tell you. Maybe if you get him on the pot, you book him on the podcast. We can, we can talk to him about it and yeah, discuss we, your your passion for his play on the floor. Yeah, we're going to do a four-person interview with us two, Al, and Chuck Okafor. Those, those are my two dream <laughs> podcast guests. I think I'll probably sit that one out so you can just interview them on your own. I'll give you the, the space to, to attack it's that. The space to get slapped. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back after we talk about our sponsors to make some predictions and look ahead to the games to come. So, Seamus, I think you want to tell our friends and listeners about a a new sponsor of ours. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Imagine, know what car I really want is a Ford Bronco. A Ford Bronco. I don't have a car right now. One of those new ones that are coming out? Yeah, I sold my car last year, and I won't buy a car again unless it's a Ford Bronco. But imagine going back and buying like a 1994 white Ford Bronco on (laughs) DealDash.com. Okay, OJ. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up once one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners, not just Blue Wire, our specific listeners, an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code SLANT or DealDash.fm backslash SLANT. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash SLANT. Look at that. Our own custom promo code, Seamus. We we hit the big time. We really have. And you know who helped us hit the big time, Seamus? The, the our OGs. Friends, our friends at Bet Online. Because sports are coming back. OG. Sports, sports are coming back. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events, including the Sixers. Major League Baseball kicked off this week and is now probably over for the Miami Marlins and Philadelphia Phillies. But there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. You can check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. 
and see what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. So visit mm. betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Love Eddie George. Philly I was going to say, shout out Eddie George. Philly He's guy. from, uh, I think he went, was, is he from Abington, I want to say? Let's check the internet machine. It's, it's about time. I was going to say Abington Zone, but I didn't want to mistakenly have Abington claim Eddie George, and he's not actually from there. He was born in Philadelphia born? specifically. He went to the military academy. Abington, Played top yeah. Warner for the Abington Raiders, and he attended Abington Senior High School until the 10th grade when he transferred to Fork Union Military Academy. So there we go. I really like those. My two favorite like non-Eagles teams as a kid, I was born in 94 growing up, were that Titans team and coincidentally that Rams team they played in the Super Bowl. Uh, Steve McNair. Greatest show on turf. Yeah, I, I love Torrey Holt. I love Marshall Falk. Falk's one of my favorite players ever. I loved Warner. Uh, but Steve McNair was, was so awesome. And what a strange, strange end to his career and his old untimely death. Did you ever listen to that podcast that Sports Illustrated did? They did sort of a kind of... I guess a little bit like a, it's a combination of like a true crime podcast and a documentary sports podcast where they went into the the life and death of Steve McNair. This was like a year and a half. I did ago. not. Was this before Sports Illustrated turned into a uh, uh, brain GN- boost supplement uh, company to a, to a GNC? Yeah, uh, this is back. This is pre Maven Sports Illustrated. I forget the guy who did it, but it's you know it's legit in depth reporting. This guy spent you know at least a year or so working on this podcast. Yes, it was great. Uh, little did you know, and I didn't know this, this podcast, and this is a graphic, a little bit of a graphic warning. So if you just want to skip 15 seconds of the podcast, this is your time to do it. So when his mistress killed him, she cut his nuts off and stuck them down his throat. Well, that is, that's something. If I had, to, if I have to give a warning, it's going to be something. That is a lot. Yeah. He was a baller, though. I agree with you. Those he was, that was a fun team to watch. I think my I'm a little bit older than you, and so I think my favorite non-Eagles team that I can remember was the the miracle year of Randy Moss's rookie year with Randall oh, Cunningham Randall. and Chris Carter. And, Fire! Yeah, that team was. That was I, it's still unbelievable. Me. Still unbelievable that they didn't win the Super Bowl and lost when fucking Gary Anderson missed the only kick that he missed the entire season when he needed to make it. That was what a shame. As I would have loved to see Randall win one. Brandy Moss, obviously, one of, if not the GOAT at the wide receiver position. Basically him and Jerry Rice, and there's nobody He's else my goat. really in the... Yeah, like I didn't get to watch Jerry Rice in his prime. So as far as wide receivers I watched growing up, it Ooh, was Randy Moss and I have a, nobody else really close. Before we get too off topic, I have one trivia question for you. Jerry Rice has the most receptions all time of anyone over the age of 40 with, I believe, like 182. Who? What two players are tied for second? after Jerry Rice for most catches over the age of 40. There are... Is T.O. One, one of them? 
No. One is in the Hall of Fame. One will be one day. I'm trying to think of who even played that long. Uh, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. Is it... Mm, who fucking... Who played that long? Go ahead. Just give it to me. I'm going to be mad when you say the names. Oh, you're definitely going to be mad. It's Brett Favre and Tom Brady with one catch. That's how hard it is to play receiver. That <laughs> yeah, okay. That makes sense. Never mind. I would have never guessed that in a million like years. A, like the pass gets deflected and they catch it just for people are confused what I'm talking about. Or, you know, I think that's what Brett did. And I think Brady had at one point a, a true reception. Yeah, but not Jerry Rice Bowl, was obviously. outrageously good and outrageously good for yeah. a long time. Too. 2002, age 40, 92 catches, 1,200 yards, seven touchdowns. It's wild. Yeah, that's just that's just stupid. That shouldn't even be possible. Uh, anyway, back to basketball, back to the Sixers specifically. Uh, I think Seamus and I are just going to focus in on a few predictions for the restart so there are eight regular season games that those will end up determining seeding uh so first place to start Seamus is let's enter our official predictions for the Sixers record during those eight games what do you got I was six and two before Did we you're sticking to that after the uh the scrimmage scrimmages yeah i liked them i wasn't a fan of what happened or just the shakes that x factor shake is the x factor and that's why i'm I'm giving you the opportunity to revisit should you choose to um i tend to agree with you i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna stick to more conservative and say they go five and three Uh, i'm not sure five and three is a win to me as a fan oh yeah yeah and look i think the record is ultimately not as important as what they look like whether they're healthy or not well if they go two and six they're not going to look quite good right but that's like if they go four and four and four of the or like three of the four losses are you know coin flip type games where they lose in the fourth quarter or it just you know somebody gets hurt and they're playing a man down or, or whatever. Like that's a little bit different. I, so I think context is important for these games. Basically you just want to emerge mostly unscathed and you want to make sure that you're gearing up for it. I think the thing that was maybe most encouraging of all watching them play the first three games is that there was no, none of the, like road Sixers bullshit where they didn't show up ready to play on defense. Even in that Tuesday scrimmage against Dallas, they hung around in the game for a long time and eventually made the comeback because they were still out there and defending hard and and getting stops and, and playing with energy, which that's not a thing that they did in a lot of like real games throughout the season. So I think they've come down with the right mentality. So I think you know, five and three, especially because I think the games against San Antonio and Washington are basically gimmies. I think you might end up getting a gimme or two out of the combo of the Portland and Phoenix games because they could end up being eliminated by the time they play them. 
And then, you know, the rest of the games are reasonably tough, but I think Indiana already lost Sabonis, so they'll be weaker. They um, did. Toronto, who knows how that one's going to look during a back-to-back. And then against Houston in the final game of the pre-playoffs, that could Smoked. go either way because people – well, they if, if both of them play hard and have everybody healthy, I think Houston probably beats the shit out of them. But – I do think there is some possibility for people sitting and what have you. So five and three is my prediction, but I I think they could easily do better than that. So we move on to the second prediction. And and this is based on, we finally saw Ben Simmons attempt more than one, three in a game. Both of them were, I don't want to say they were tightly contested, but they were they're much more contested than any other. I mean, he wasn't 2013 Ray Allen out there or anything. Right. But it was he was there was more pressure on him in terms of the defender than probably any other jump shots that he's taken to this point. So, it begs the question, Seamus, how many threes per game do you think we can expect Simmons to average while he's in Orlando? We can count we can either do oh, regular doing for these? season end playoffs, okay. or we could split them up because I think there's there's justification Let's, for saying it'll change. I think he takes more in the regular season than the playoffs. I agree with that. So let's say 0.5 for the regular season, and I'm going to say he doesn't take one in the playoffs. So I actually agree with you oh. completely for the regular season. I think 0.5 is probably the perfect number. You'll get an, get an attempt from him in about half the games, maybe. Or maybe there'll be a couple with two and Some a zero. string of them with zero. Um, I think we'll get a Ben Simmons three in the playoffs. Maybe that's wishful thinking, but um, what I'm basing this on is not just those attempts, but you know, he's been – there have been a few pictures or videos or GIFs clipped of him from those three scrimmages where he's in the corner and actively waving for demanding the ball and looking like he's ready to shoot. And that in itself is a, a mentality change from him. I think that, you know, obviously I don't expect Ben to come out and be, as you say, 2013 Ray Allen. But I think there has been a slight change in his approach. So I'm going to say, let's say 0.2 per game for the playoffs. I don't like in that territory. I don't know what that would amount to. It depends on uh, how many games and, and how long they're in the playoffs for. But, you know, I, I am encouraged by the fact that he shot them, number one. Number two. He's in an environment where there's less pressure than ever, and he could probably feel free to let it fly. And number three, as I said, I just I see a look with him that we haven't necessarily seen before. So I choose to buy into that a little bit. I'm not going to go out and you know like give a full sales pitch on it, but we'll see. You ready for some breaking news? I would like some breaking news if you have some. Uh, the NFLPA has announced a partnership with 2K Sports. 2K can use the names, numbers, images, and likeness of over 2,000 NFL players. The first game is due out in 2021. Dude, what's the was it 2K five? five yes, yeah, that's, so that's like TOS. one of the goat 
So that's T.O.'s first year in Philadelphia, and he's on the cover, yeah. He had, they had an ESPN partnership. I've been playing it during quarantine. I bought it on the That game, is, no that game was elite and held up much better than most other sports games do, especially like yearly franchise-type games. It's a shame that Madden and EA Lazy. have had such a monopoly on all that for forever. That is so, some very important breaking I, news. I wonder, it doesn't say the NFL, so what if they can't use the NFL teams and like they just have to use these random-ass teams and they're playing like the Virginia Beach Sea Dogs is where uh, <laughs> you know Peyton Manning somehow is playing and they have these older players or whatever. Could be interesting. Yeah, I, I think you know it's stupid, but I think people, that stuff really matters. The, the branding and all that. Like, oh I'll my God, give yeah. you an example. I mean, I wouldn't buy so, it if they didn't have, like, a real <laughs> team or anything. So, like, in FIFA, FIFA is the dominant soccer game, right? But there's Correct. actually another really... there's FIFA is the dominant soccer video game. But there's another very prominent... It's more prominent in Europe, I think, called Pro Evolution Soccer that... I'm aware of it. I want. I don't want to call it like a more sim heavy game, but it, it's for a while it was supposed to be more realistic than FIFA. And the gameplay in some years, a lot of people have argued, is much better than FIFA. But they have struggled with. They don't always have licensing for all the teams. I think they've failed to strike deals with some of the bigger clubs they always it's funny because part of their marketing campaign will be like this year you can actually play as barcelona instead of like messy and some it's like team team blue uniform (laughs) it's like they'll use their colors but none of their branding and that like that legitimately turns people off they want to feel like they're playing as their favorite team their favorite players on for the the clubs or the franchises that they play for so you know, if that's not part of it, then I don't know how big of a, an impact that 2K will make. But I do think because 2K has this monopoly stranglehold on the NBA stuff now, that I think there's at least a path to them getting into back into the NFL market and maybe shaking some things up. So we'll see. I, I, I would like more competition in sports games. I actually gave up sports video games pretty much all together because they only make me mad anymore so i just i tap out of that i don't know if you're ever been a sports game guy seamus no i was never even i mean as a kid kid playing madden but my peak gaming days i was playing like splinter cell and fable and elder scrolls and you know modern warfare the first one stuff like that so i I didn't really i would buy madden because i would be so excited for the nfl season but then i would play it for like two weeks and the novelty of it would wear off you know yeah that's i i think that's that's my experience with like baseball games and mlb the show is admittedly an amazing game on playstation but i get it and i'd start a career and it's like oh man this is really sweet for like two or three weeks and then i forget that i don't want to play nine inning baseball games all the time (laughs) so i get it um all right now done with our video game related break and breaking news Uh, another number and this is a number that has come up many times in 
Brett Brown's discussions with the media, both prior to and during their time in Orlando. That's Joel Embiid's minutes per game. The goal, as I believe we have discussed on this podcast before, is 38 minutes per game for Joel. Now, that has obviously been complicated a little bit with him missing two out of the three scrimmages. The team has said it's for precautionary reasons. And, you know, we have every reason to believe that's true. There's no real reason to throw him into harm's way if he's dealing with some muscle tightness and what have you when the, the games don't matter. But there's, it's still cast out on a guy whose availability is already doubtful to begin with. So I guess what is your prediction for how many minutes per game Joel ends up averaging in the playoffs? 33.1. Ooh, that feels a little low. That's What's your uh, – you only think he's getting to 33. Okay, so we're in the playoffs. Okay, so – I was kind of viewing it as the regular season, too, in the sense that, oh, he's a little gimpy right now, so he's not going to be playing a ton against Indiana. Or, do you know what I mean? Like, if they go up with a lead yeah. or against... All right, so uh, 35.2. So, so let's... The, 30, I, I the just 38 use... per game thing, I, I think, is ridiculous. Yeah, so let's, as a frame of reference, just go through some numbers real quick. We are talking strictly uh, playoffs here. But regular season totals, his four years in the league. First year, 25.4. Obviously, we all know about minutes restrictions there and no back-to-backs, etc. Ben Simmons' rookie year, 2017-18, he plays 30.3. Last season with Jimmy Butler, he's up to career high, 33.7. This year, back down again to 30.2. And then the playoffs... His playoff per game numbers in Ben's rookie year, he averages 34.8. And last season, he only averaged 30.4 as he was dealing with uh, illness and what have you. So, And also, you know, some context for that number, there were a couple of blowouts that they were able to pull him out of games early. And so I would be interested in, I probably should look at the game logs for last year and see how much that really amounts to. But 38 is a big climb up even from the 34.8 number. So I'm going to go a little higher than you and I'm going to say a smooth 36 per game. And I feel like that is you just price pretty optimistic. I But I feel like that's pretty optimistic to say, 36. I, I think if he hits 35, that would be strong because, look, now the difference between his rookie year where he was playing a shade under – or not his rookie year, Ben's rookie year where he played a shade under 35 in the playoffs is that they do have Al Horford in that backup spot and they're not relying on the likes of Greg Amir Johnson that year or Greg Monroe and Boban last season so i think if he gets to 35 that's i think they're sitting pretty but you know obviously a lot of things go wrong the main thing is going to be not even necessarily how many minutes he plays per game but how many games he's actually available for so you know you cross your fingers and hope for the best for him that he's fully healthy both physically and in terms of fighting illness and all that that's biggest concern right now do you think he plays all the playoff games? 
I'd say no. I'd say no. I'd say no, right? Yeah. So how many games do you think he misses in the playoffs? Say, but then you have to, like, the, the caveat is you have to bank in how long you think they're going to go. For reference, the last two years, I think Ben Simmons played in every playoff game. Ben played in 10 in the 2018 season and 12 in the 2019 season. Okay, so we're going to bake this into the last prediction that Let's get I crazy, us put everything to together. Let's end it on a crazy note. The last thing I wanted to do was for your prediction, or both of our predictions, I should say, on how far this team ends up going in the playoffs. And so we'll give our answers, and I will tell you after that how many games I think Joel will miss. So where do you see them finishing? Bits aside and your bets on the no, team. I'm, I know I'm, look, you I'm, looking on your... the, I'm looking at the standings right now. I see they finish fifth. No, no, no. I mean, like, playoff-wise. Oh, how far round. do you think they're done? The second round. So we're in agreement there. I think fifth is probably a reasonable expectation. Because Indiana, I think Indiana drops off and they get that fifth seed, I think. I agree. I think Without the Sabonis. loss of Sabonis and you know trying to integrate all Depot and all that, they have a lot of things that that can go wrong for them. And they're a bit of a try hard team and if everybody's trying hard in Orlando, that that'll catch up with them a little bit. So I, I we're in agreement there. So you think well so that basically means that you think they're going to lose to the Milwaukee Bucks in round 2. Long been a, a Bucks skeptic, Seamus, and now I mean, they'll lose in the, the conference finals, obviously. But. <laughs> so, I think they lose in round two, and I think Joel misses one game. And even I think that is optimistic, because he's missed a couple in, in previous I say he misses one in each round. Okay, that's... I, I think they would probably take that, honestly. You know, it'd be crazy is if they decided, hey, we're just going to give, if they get up in a series and they decide to give Joel a rest day, do you yes. think that would break the internet? I'd fucking march on Camden. <laughs> Listen, Seamus, they have Al Horford. What else could go wrong? I, yeah, me killing my cousin, that's what could go wrong to get to not have to watch. Him. Oh, my God. This poor distant cousin that you keep. I have a lot. Yeah, it's just like. A- Okay, so since we're both in agreement on the prediction, what do you think is the best shakeout for them in terms of seeding and standings to try to make a run to the finals? And then you can also include who you think the best likely title contender from the West is for them to play. Well, I have them going in the second round, and they would be playing Milwaukee, the... The thing that would tip them in the scales, scales their way, is if Al Horford can resemble his 2018 Boston self or his Atlanta self, and we saw how well he played on Christmas Day against Milwaukee, and if he could channel that for a handful of games in that round, maybe they beat Milwaukee in seven. And then in the second round, their star power is enough to beat Toronto uh, without Kawhi. And then, you know, they go into the the finals and Joel Embiid chose Anthony Davis who the true best big man in the league is and uh the clutch sports duo of LeBron and Ben Simmons duel and Ben kind of the younger guy 
takes the torch from the Sixers win in seven. Seven game classic against the Lakers that nobody's able to attend. That would be a real, a real bummer. Honestly, it'd be awesome that we get to watch it, but. Um, so I mean, I, I'm th- going to take them winning the championship. It's fine if I'm not there to watch it. <laughs> I think I, I still maintain, and I, since we already said this, I agree that I think they'll probably get the fifth seed. And I think that honestly ends up being worse for them. It does, yeah. <laughs> because And here's some, like, this is more, this isn't, like, analytical or anything, but I think if they get the six and they play Boston in the first round and they get the, like Boston's been a boogie. They get the monkey off the back in the first round. It's a, it's an emphatic win. Right. It's not the same as I know Jimmy Butler is on the heat and there's all the, the emotions there, but I think clearing, I think beating the Celtics first is something that gives them mentally some more wind in their sails like that's just it it feels like it matters more and then you head into the toronto series and look we have talked about toronto on this podcast a decent amount in the past i have i think nick nurse one of the best coaches in the league if not maybe the current best coach in the league i think it's a, a roster full of guys that are like for lack of a better word ass kickers like they have a bunch of great defenders and guys that now have championship level pedigree but i do think that they can beat them in a series and i do think that marcus all is not this unsolvable puzzle that joel Embiid can deal with and even last year with Embiid not being able to score for long stretches of time they're a fucking crazy buzzer beater away from overtime and a chance to go to the conference finals. And then like at that point, if you get to the conference finals, having beaten the team that knocked you out last year and the team that has long been your, your nemesis, I think then that's like, they're in full, they're fully prepped to play and beat Milwaukee. I I don't think they beat Milwaukee unless they've had those trials and tribulations. And, you know, it's like sports movie cliche bullshit, but like, I really believe that stuff. I, there is an element of like the mental side of the game where that matters a lot. And I don't think that they can clear the toughest hurdle in the conference, which is the clear best team in the conference without, you know, getting past the the smaller steps first, and I am in agreement with you on. I like. I think, I think they match up well with the Lakers. I think the the thing the Lakers do, or the the thing the Lakers possess, that makes them tough for a lot of teams is that they're so big. That and they have the best and, player of all time. Yeah, that's that's usually pretty tough to defend. Against. Yes, that that too. But the reason they're a night-to-night issue for a lot of teams is that they are big and they're skilled, and that is a very tough thing to deal with. But they, the Sixers neutralize the size component of it. And as you mentioned to some degree, Davis has never really played well against Embiid. And so he's been, you know, as much as LeBron is the guy that drives everything, Davis has been the reason they've been the best team in the West. Cause that's like, it's not just LeBron and a bunch of guys. It's a p- 
defensive player of the year candidate, like all world type player next to him. And you neutralize that. Like I, I don't think Ben Simmons just straight up stops LeBron, but he's at least someone that can deal with him and you can, he's, he's fit enough. He's strong enough. He's athletic enough that you can just match LeBron's minutes with Ben and say, look, that's, this is all you need to do with other Joel will score against JaVale McGee and Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard. Like that's, that is not a problem. Other guys are going to find ways to score. Ben needs to shut down or not shut down, but at least slow down LeBron. And I like, I do think that they would fare well in a series against them. So if you're, that's, that to me is their path to winning a title. I, I'm sure that they're, other people will disagree because they don't fear the box and they don't buy into all the other, you know, hokey bullshit that I just laid out. But that's how I see it. I don't see it happening. And I think that the second round exit ends up leading to some internal changes, probably starting with the coaching staff. But I guess we'll see. That's why they play the games and don't just decide everything on paper. What matchup other than Lakers Celtics do you think the NBA wants most to happen? Would it be Lakers Sixers? That's a good question. I I don't know. Like now, you know what it is. They want Giannis it's, Lebron. It's yes, it's Giannis Lebron because Passing Lebron has never shoot. had the. We never got the Lebron Kobe finals, and while it's not exactly analogous. I think this would be the closest thing you get to. So you're saying Giannis is better than Kobe? My thoughts on Kobe will be shared at a later time, but I think that has to be what they're rooting for. It's a star-driven league, and if you can get the likely back-to-back MVP in a series with the guy who has been the league standard bearer for pretty much his entire career, I think they'll... I think they'll chalk that up as a win. I think anything involving one of the LA teams will be considered a win because I think Kawhi and the Clippers and Paul George has some appeal too. Beyond that, though, like, you know, I look at some of the other contenders. I guess, like, if Houston got in, Harden is a big enough star. I would personally, like, basketball hipster Kyle would love to see Chris Paul just go on a crazy run, but I don't think that's very likely. And I don't think that would have the same uh, pizzazz as a L.A. final. But we'll see, I suppose. We shall. Well, we're going to have to do this podcast like all over again after the eight games before the before the playoffs. Yeah, because, well, you know, as much as Things the will scrimmages. Change. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying it in a negative way. Yeah, and we'll probably – I don't know how many – we're probably going to scale up the podcast some more if there are – you know, if there are big moments or big performances or somebody's hurt or, you know, real basketball news for us to talk about, we will be talking about the team more now that things are picking up. They're going to be playing every other day, so there's a lot more for us to get into. So, you know, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope you're all ready for actual basketball. And as always, please wear a mask, be smart, be safe, and and take care of yourselves. See you on the other side. That we will. <laughs>